Hey, we're in a, it's been a short sermon series called Covenant of Care, Creating a Culture of Care. And I'm, uh, Dr. Bosman's going to be preaching next Sunday, and then Pastor Dad's going to be preaching, and I'm praying about what to do after that. And be praying with me over that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really feeling led to maybe preach through a small book of the Bible called Jude, which some of y'all never heard of and probably maybe never read. But it's, it's only a page long or something. But it's very, very relevant to the times. In the, the, the theme of Jude is contending for the faith. And we need to be contending for the faith. And so uh, that's probably going to probably kind of preach through that for a few weeks, verse by verse. And we'll just see how that goes. But my sermon today is called Taking Care of the Household of Faith. Taking Care of the Household of Faith. What's the household of faith? Well, I want, to read you, I want to read you a few scriptures. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, You are fellow citizens with God's people. Here's some of your identity again. We were talking about that earlier. You are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love that so much. God is building us. The foundation is the apostles and the, the prophets. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. God is building us uh, together so that we can be a habitation for his presence, a, a dwelling for his uh, presence. He's building a household in which he can dwell. Now, the biblical word translated household, it has two basic meanings. A dwelling is one meaning, and a family is the other meaning. Put it together and you get a family home. A household is a family home. It's the place where a family dwells. The church is God's family. The church is also the place where God, God's family dwells. I'm not talking about a church building. We don't dwell here. We don't live here. It's a spiritual house that God is building, that he is building us together as a habitation for his presence. And God lives in us as we live in unity together as the household of faith. The household, the people who are members of the family of God. Not everybody's in the family of God. Not everybody is a child of God. I know that's a common worldly misconception, but only those who've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ are part of the family of God and are part of the household of God. Now we get a little bit of, of further uh, information about household in 1 Timothy three twelve through 15 where, where Paul is talking to Timothy. And he's giving him some instruction. He says, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Talking about a physical family. But he goes on to say, I am writing you these instructions so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And just as there is a physical family, that's the first part of this passage, and people need to know how to conduct themselves in their physical family, there's also a spiritual family, the family of God, and we need to know how to conduct ourselves in the family of God. 
We have some responsibilities, just like you have some roles and responsibilities in a physical family. You have roles and responsibilities in a spiritual family in the church. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The NIV says, especially to those who are of the family of believers. That's our first priority of taking care of people. Do good to all. Take care of all. But especially, especially focus on those who are of the household of faith. That's what we're focusing on. Now listen, the church is not perfect. But we do our best to meet people's needs. We visit them in the hospital. We help them with financial needs. We provide food for the hungry. We we pray for the sick and for all other kinds of needs. But God is calling us as a church to a higher level of care and to a deeper level of care. And that's going to take a great commitment. It's going to take a great commitment to the Great Commission, a great commitment to the Great Commandment. The great commandment, Jesus spoke of that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, when he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. People try to downplay the second part of this. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And there are a lot of people that say, I love God, and I just don't like his people. I don't like his family. Well, the first commandment is love God with all your heart. But the second part is liken to it. It's equally important. Love others as you love yourself. That's the great commandment. And Jesus gave us the great commission in Matthew 28. We've been preaching on that most of this year. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end, to the very end of the age. So we see there the the great commandment and the great commission. What, What is a great commitment? Well, the great commitment is an outward expression of the second aspect of the great commandment, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. We have got to get a great commitment to that. We have a great commitment to loving God, but part of loving God is loving other people. It's, so, so God is giving us this ex, instruction for us to, to take care of each other in the family of God. And, and in Peter, uh, he addresses the elders who are the overseers of the church to, to tend the, the sheep. He says in 1 Peter 5, 2 through 3, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. This verse tells the elders, the pastors of the church, to care for the flock. We must have a great commitment to care for the flock. It's a huge responsibility, but notice we must do it as overseers. There are some people we minister to directly that will always be, but as the church grows, it gets to a place where you cannot minister to every single bit of every person. You can't do every bit of caring that needs to take place in the church. Yes, you can care, but sometimes somebody else needs to be the hands 
to show God's love to, to other people. But we have the responsibility as elders and leaders and pastors to make sure that caring happens. And to do that, we must be examples to the church family of caring. And we must then equip you to care for our church family. Caring for the church family is not just the pastor's job. It's a ministry for all of us. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 25. There should be no division in the body, speaking of the body of Christ and in the family of God, so that all the members care for each other equally. <coughs> Excuse me. No divisions, but all members, that includes you, should care for all other members, that includes everybody else, equally. Equally. It's not just the pastors doing it. It's all of us doing it. And we'll never have a culture of care if we're just counting on pastors to do all the caring. Now listen to me closely. You listening? Okay, three of you. For this to happen, you must be willing to receive ministry from other people, not just from the pastors, not just from elders. We've got to be willing to give ministry away, to share it, to equip people to do it, but you must be willing to receive ministry from other trained and equipped people in, in the family. And there's a great example of this in the early church. Pastor Deb talked a little bit about it in her sermon last week. And I wanted to bring it up again and reemphasize that and actually read the passage from Acts 6 where it says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained. By the way, as the church grows, complaints grow. It's just part of it. The Grecian Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews that's a Jewish, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The issue here was some of the people weren't feeling cared for. Some of the people were feeling our needs aren't being met. And so when the leaders, when the leaders were trying to do all the ministry, listen, and when the people were just looking to the disciples, the first 12, and, 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 and the, to, to do all the work, when they were doing all the ministry, rather than overseeing the ministry through others, when that happens, people get overlooked. The widows were being overlooked. Listen, the absence of overseeing care for people results in overlooked people. The absence of people being cared for by others in the family of God results in people's needs being overlooked. And the answer is not for the, the paid leaders and the paid staff and the elders to work harder and longer. Look at what they did. So the 12, because there was this need, because people needed care for, because some people's needs were being overlooked, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables or to serve people food. Now I want to tell you something right now. In these verses, when you see the word ministry or serving, in the Greek it's the exact same word. It's, Pastor Deb taught us this last week. It's diakonos. We get the word deacon from it. It means to serve, to minister. So they're saying we can't neglect serving the word in order to serve people food. 
So we need to find other people to serve the food while we serve the word. They're both serving. It's both diakonos. It's the same exact word. But one is serving the word and one is serving food. And so, it, it, they, so they said this, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Are you getting this? And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. It pleased the whole group. It pleased the whole group because we, they, they knew our, these, these elders, these apostles, these men of God, they need to have time to be in the Word and to be in prayer. Otherwise, when they stand up to feed, this is our responsibility, feeding. If we spend all our time just working on people's needs and not studying to show ourselves approved, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, we stand up here and have no food to feed you. And so we are impacting the needs of all and the needs of many uh, to meet the needs of the few. Are you getting this? So we have to raise up and release people to take part of the, of the ministry. So they turned this care ministry over to other believers in the church. And when they did this, verse 7 said, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. We already saw in verse 1 that the number was increasing, but after they did this, it increased rapidly. The church was already growing, but when ministry began to be shared with the church members, the church grew exponentially. The church grew rapidly. Sharing the caring ministry is essential to personal growth and to church growth. It's essential. It's essential. And, and you know, I'm thinking about this even now as I'm, you know, um, we, we just sang it in this song, I am available. No sacrifice is too great for you, oh God. But then I know, I know how people think, because I've been there before, and then they say, you want me to give up a weekend? to come and get trained to do ministry. Yeah. Let me tell you something. It's a principle I learned a long time ago from John Maxwell, one of the world's greatest leadership experts. You've got to give up in order to go up. You've got to give up in order to grow up. There's things you have to give up to go to a higher level. And sometimes that may mean giving some of your time. It may mean giving a weekend. It may be say, okay, God, we're going to take this time and to get together with other believers and to get trained on how we're going to have a culture of care in our church. Lord, Lord, you're going to have to give something up. There's going to have to be some sacrifice at some place. Don't think you're going to grow. Listen, I'm trying to help you today. As your pastor, your father in the faith who loves you with all my heart, Sometimes it requires a sacrifice. We get so grace or so hyper grace oriented that we sometimes think we don't have to ever do anything. That Jesus just does it all. But Jesus does all through people. Some things he does directly, some things he does through us. And we are giving you huge opportunities here in this month. We've started small groups. We've given people the opportunity to become small group leaders. And we've given everybody here the opportunity on Wednesday nights to come and, and be discipled in the Word. We were having awesome times here on Wednesday. It was awesome again this week in, in, in just sharing the Word and, and getting to know people and being discipled. And, and, and so there's opportunities ha happening there. And now we're giving another opportunity, just like they did in the book of Acts, to create this 
this culture of care. And this culture of care is a biblical mandate. Jesus shared the ministry of caring for people with his disciples. He didn't go around doing all the healing. He didn't go around doing all the demon casting outing. He, he actually used them. He sent them out to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out devils. They care for people. Jesus shared it with the disciples. And we just read how the disciples shared it with the early church congregation. And now we are carrying on that mandate and sharing ministry with you. And before Jesus returned to heaven, his concern was for the sheep he was leaving behind. And he chose Peter to be one of the main ones who instructed his church to care for those who are part of the household of faith. You remember after the, the resurrection of Jesus when he met the disciples on the seashore and, and he specifically kind of singled out Peter and asked Peter three times if he loved him. One for every time he betrayed him. And every time that Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus responded with a command. He didn't just say, oh, you love me? Okay, good. Just love me in your heart. Don't do nothing about it, but just keep loving me. He told Peter, you need to, you love me? You need to commit to feeding my lambs, the young believers. You love me? Yes. You need to commit to feeding the, the older sheep, the mature sheep. You need to feed them. You love me? Yes. Okay, you need to care for my sheep. You need to tend the sheep. You need to shepherd the sheep. You need to pastor the sheep. You need to take care of them. Clearly, Jesus was leaving this behind as a high priority. It was a high priority to him, caring for the household of faith. And the Holy Spirit is once again emphasizing this truth to the church in these days. And as a congregation, we're going to be implementing a proven ministry that will provide ongoing care for all of our church members. I'm so excited about this because we are getting so serious about caring for those the Lord has entrusted to us. After all, if we're not caring for those the Lord who has, the, the ones God has entrusted to us, why would he send us anymore? And we may do well on winning the lost and discipling new believers and filling our church with all kinds of things to do, but if we don't provide congregational care to every member, we will not retain all the people that we should. We'll just bring them out the front door and leave them, lose them out the back door. Bring them in, go out. It's like a revolving door. There's got to be a balance between the great commandment and the great commission. Paul did this. He, he, he brought the two into balance. He, he reached a lot of people through evangelism, but he spent time making sure that they were cared for pastorally. Only a nurtured church, only a cared-for church will be strong enough to continue making new disciples and watch them grow in the Lord. What is the point of getting new people into the church if we don't have an established way, established ministry, an established system of caring for people in the congregation? In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. He didn't say it was by the T-shirt you wear or the cross around your neck or the bumper sticker on your car or the way you worship, or what church you go to, or anything else. He said it's how you love one another. We can't reach the world if we don't care for each other. Amen. Now listen to this. Listen to this passage, Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you've worked for him. Isn't that good? Yeah. 
Isn't that good? I, I, I just thought about this. I was talking to a friend yesterday who, who spent a lot of time pouring into someone in this church who, who eventually got upset and left the church over something. And, and he really saw this person as a potential leader and was pouring into them, pouring into them. And, and he told me how he felt, you know, like he wasted six years doing that. And I, I said, my brother, that nothing you do for God is ever race, wasted. Nothing. God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you work for him. Yes. Now listen. And how you have shown your love to him yes. by sharing for other believers. By caring for other believers. We show our love for God by how we care for other believers. We love God and we serve God by loving people and serving people. It's the only way, but it is a big way. Don't say you love God and serve God if you don't care for people. That's why we've determined at our church, at our church to, be a, to have a culture of care. We, we have a culture of grace, and we have a culture of worship and the, the presence of God. We have a, we have a, a culture of, of diversity and all these things that are part of our culture, but a culture of care is really what we're feeling we need to develop, where, where the love of God can be felt by everyone in a tangible way. Listen, it doesn't mean we're not presently a loving church. Don't, I, I don't believe that for one minute. I believe we are a very loving church. But we have got to become intentional and establish a system of care where nobody will fall through the cracks. Because right now it happens sometimes and we'll be like, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? I haven't seen them in, in six months. All of a sudden it hits me. Where, where are they? That should not be. We should have a way of knowing. The Bible says no... Watch out for, the, for your flock and know the, the, the condition of your flock. We should be ha have a way of, of checking on that. And that's what this, this care ministry is going to do. We're going to train people to help uh, contact other people and find out how they're doing or anything we can pray for, anything you need, any needs we could meet. How are we going to do this? We're going to establish this care ministry network that will ensure our members receive the care they should receive. What is a care ministry network? It's an authentic and proven system of congregational care which enables God's people to care for one another. And you know, when people come to church, they have expectations. They believe they're going to they're gonna belong there, and they believe they're going to use their gifts there, and they're going to believe that, that they believe they should be cared for there. And many times people walk away disillusioned because they feel neglected, and they haven't been cared for by, by this Christian family, and they feel their cries aren't heard, their needs aren't met, and, and there's people in nursing homes and aged and infirm people who can't get out and who are what we used to call shut-ins, who can't get out of their house, who, who need to be cared for. And this has got to, we've got to change this, and it can't just happen through a few select people. Regardless of the size of a church, it's proven over and over again. We preached on this. A pastor cannot do it alone. The, and, and most churches cannot afford enough staff to pay people to do all this. And it would not even be biblical to do that when God tells us as a church family to care for each other in the household of God. 
So right now, a lot of pastoral care gets undone, and the church ends up stagnating or going into decline. That's why uh, so many thousands of ministers quit the ministry every year, and, and, and the majority of churches are stagnant or in decline. If people don't feel cared for in their church, they leave that one and go look for another. And it happens every week across America as thousands of people are drifting in search of a true church that will truly care for them. And most churches do not provide pastoral care, they provide crisis care. So if people are in crisis, they're in the hospital, they're facing death, they're going through an emergency, whatever they're going through, we, we give them attention, time and attention. But when the crisis is over, the time and attention is over. But we have found a way to show everybody time, care, and attention all the time. Because we believe, and I believe as your pastor, you are important enough for us to go through all this trouble, all this expense, all this training to, to provide you a place where you can know you are loved and cared for in our church all the time. Amen. I don't want you to be like David. David complained in Psalm 142.4, I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. I don't want that to be true of anyone in our church. And I'm sure there are people that have felt that way. I'm sure there are people that maybe feel that way now. But we've got to take care of them. It's a mandate from God. It's a burden of our heart. It's a vision for the Lord for this house. What's the answer? What's the solution? The answer is we have to have effective congregational care that will reach every member in our church and then connect those who are new, who are coming to our church, help get them connected and cared for. But that can't be just done by a few. It can't be done by a few. God had never intended it for that to be that way. It's for all of us as a people of God, all of us for the, for the family of God. Our part in the ministry, our main part, is, is to be the fivefold ministry to equip you, to train you, to help you uh, become who, you, who God has called you to be. We've taught you that out of Ephesians 4.11. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service. You need all those ministries. Pastor Deb and I, as, as the founding pastors here, we have an apostolic oversight in this church. We are like a father and mother in the faith here and we have other teachers and evangelists and prophets and pastors and we all work together to equip you to be who God wants you to be. Uh, we have our ministry and you have yours. And I'm going to see, we are committed to see that you are trained to partner with us in caring for every single member in our congregation. Our army, our, our, our intent, our vision is to have an army of people equipped and trained to become care ministers. That's what we're going to call them. And there are many of you who have the basic qualifications already. I'm not talking about a degree. I'm not talking about a personal, uh, 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 a personal thing other than this. If you can love people, you can care for people. You can show them care. If you have a love for people, you can minister to people. So what's the care ministry network? I'm going to, I'm going to go into this just a minute. It's an authentic and proven system of congregational care which enables God's people to care for one another. It's a system. By that we mean this. It's something we are going to do intentionally and systematically. We're not going to just hope it happens. We're not just going to pray that it happens, but we're going to intentionally do some things and set some things in place because it will not just happen all by itself. 
So we, are, we have this structure and this, this concept and this material to help us get this job done. It's a system of congregational care where, where listen, we're going to still take care of crisis care. The pastors and staff usually takes care of that anyway. But we're going to train you and equip you to help do congregational care. To care for who? God, to care for God's people. And there's so many people who are, who, are, who are sitting in the pews every Sunday who could provide just as good of care once they've been trained and equipped, then I can, Pastor Deb can, or our staff, our staff can. If you can love people, you can pastor people. So God wants to use his people to care for one another. This is going to be for all who call this church their, their home. It's not just for a select few. So before I close this morning, I want to put your mind at ease and help you understand how we're planning to do this. We're going to equip you, and we're going to utilize you to fulfill this need and be involved in this exciting ministry, and we are going to set you up for success. You're not going to be thrown into the deep end of the pool and not know how to swim. We're going to see that you are thoroughly trained and thoroughly equipped to become a competent care ministry. No one should ever be released into ministry without in-depth training, and you won't be. We are so blessed because we're bringing in Dr. John Bosman, who is the authority on this subject. He is the authority. I am telling you, I've read countless books on pastoral care as I was seeking what to do in our church, and I came across him and his book, and we have become friends and we talk to each other regularly and he, fortunately he lives locally up in Frisco and he is, he is willing, this is a rare thing, but he is willing to come here and to train you next weekend. You're getting the guy who wrote the book on this. You're getting the guy who is the expert on this. Most churches have their own staff teaching this or someone that he is trained to teach it, but he himself is coming. We don't want you to be left alone. We're going to implement this tried and true care ministry, and we're going to help you, and we're going to guide you. You'll have somebody to mentor you, and you'll have people you can mentor. mentor. And so we're having a care pastors training conference this next weekend, this next Friday and Saturday. We'll equip you for the work of this ministry. You'll receive a, a uh, you'll attend with many other people, and they're gonna, we're going to get this uh, care ministry notebook like this that's, uh, that's going to have the notes from Dr. Uh, Bosman. Uh, you're going to keep this notebook because in the future we're going to have further training and equipping to train you as a minister. You'll also receive his book on the, the, the handbook for, for participants of the care revolution. Uh, we're going to feed you on Saturday. We're going to have fun together. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to get to know some more people, but I am inviting, I'm inviting you, yes, you, to, be, to attend this conf conference. And, and by the way, feel free to attend, even if you're not so sure. I don't know if that's for me. This may help you determine your giftedness. This may help you determine what God's call is on your life. And after the conference, if you're selected as a care ministry, you'll be commissioned and you'll be authorized publicly in the presence of the entire congregation uh, because we believe in commissioning and, and setting people into ministry. We'll have a commissioning Sunday where the pastors and elders will lay hands on you and present you to the church as a care ministry and you will be qualified and certified for that role and you'll be part, a huge part of the care ministry of our church and you'll be part part of a, a group of people who are excited about meeting together and learning together and mentoring each other and helping each other grow in the faith as they, as they, as they help others. Now in closing, it takes a healthy church to reach out to the world. It takes a healthy church to reach the lost, to do missions, to disciple people. And a church is only truly healthy when the members care for one, one another, where we love one another where we minister to one another, 
And by the grace of God, I, I have this vision in my mind, by the grace of God, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to become game changers in our, in our world. And, and we're, this is going to be the launch of something that God takes us higher and takes us deeper. And our leaders have determined that we are going to develop a healthy balance in our church. And we're going to add the missing key. And the missing key is you. Together. Together. We're going to the next level. So I invite you to come along beside me and Pastor Deb and the elders and the apostolic team and pastors and other leaders as, as we embark on this, one of the most exciting ministries we've ever taken. I, I really believe that together we can touch heaven and change earth. Listen, this is your chance to get in, in on the ground floor of a ministry. That doesn't happen very often. You can help us launch this. Together we can create a culture of care. You can be, become a big part of the ministry leadership of our church. You can have the the honor and the privilege of ministry to the household of faith, the family of God, the body of Christ, the church of God. And, and, as, and as Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, care for my sheep. If you love me, care for my sheep. Now what I'm going to ask you to do today, if you haven't done it yet, I'm going to ask you to take one of these cards and on the back you can register. You should have one in your seat and you can, you can use that QR code I know Anthony said take a picture of it. You actually don't take a picture of it. You just hold your camera on your phone over it and something will, a little button will pop up and you can press it and go to the registration card or you can just fill this one out and drop it in that, that box by the door. Now listen, I checked this morning. We've got about 40 people signed up so far. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have signed up. Thank you so much. But we need about double that. We need about double that. And so if you, uh, and especially uh, if you are uh, uh, one of our um, small group leaders, we really need you at this because you're going to be a big part of our care ministry because you have a group of people that you're already meeting with every week. And we want to make sure that you receive this training too. And so I just want to encourage you. I, and I'm not going to pressure you, but I'm going to pressure you to pray. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we believe this vision is from you. You've confirmed it so many ways. You've made it possible for Dr. Bosman to be here himself. You've made it possible for him to mentor me in this as we're going through this process and, and help me and help our church get this going. Thank you for that. God, we're going to invest a lot into this. Lord, we are investing time, we're investing money into training people, equipping people, so God, I'm asking you to move on the hearts of people. I'm asking you by your spirit to move on those that you would have be a part of this ministry. God, I'm believing you to provide exactly the number of people we need so that we can take care of all the people in our church. We don't want to leave anyone behind. We don't want anyone to fall through the cracks. We want to see everyone in our household of faith being taken care of, all their needs met, through you, Christ Jesus, according to your riches and glory. But God, you use your people so many times in that ministry. Lord, I pray that you would just, just call those that you want involved. Move on them to fill this out and to attend. And I pray over that weekend, next weekend, I pray, God, that you would bless it, that you would anoint it, you would anoint Dr. Bosman as he is here Friday, Saturday, and as he preaches next Sunday. God, may it be a mighty time in our church. God, we're believing for this to be a, uh, one of those huge times in our church. 
an important Kairos moment, Lord, where you're really doing something new and fresh in our church. Thank you for it. Thank you for everyone who's already involved and those who will be involved. Make the time available for them and redeem their time. We thank you for them and bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you so much.